Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, it's a pretty good week for the Blackhawks, actually a incredibly good week for the Blackhawks, and we want to keep burying them, but they will not stay down. So uh, we, we're a couple days late. Michael had a little cold, but uh, we're ready to go now. And since there were four games this week, we're going to split the recaps, and I'll go to Michael for the first two games of the week. Yeah, so last Thursday, the uh – Hawks took on the Buffalo Sabres, uh, the struggling Buffalo Sabres, and the Hawks jumped out, got a, a real nice start in the game. Duncan Keith and um, Anisimov both scored in the in the first period to give the Hawks the lead, but uh, the Sabres fought back hard in the second period. Uh, three unanswered goals uh, gave the Sabres the lead. Anisimov answered uh, early, or uh, yeah, early in the third period. But the Sabers were able to jump back ahead about midway through the period. But right after that, uh, Brandon Perlini uh, surprised many with uh, a nice goal to uh, tie the game back up, and that's going to be a name you're going to be hearing quite often this week, kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, so, But that was a, a big goal for the Hawks. Game ended up going into overtime after that, uh, stayed tied. And then in the shootout, uh, it was goal, 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 um, back and forth. Uh, finally, uh, the Hawks got a save, and then Alex DeBrinkett scored. He was the Hawks' third shooter, so they, they ended up taking it three to two in the shootout. So it was a uh, with the shootout goal. It was a five four overtime win or a shootout win for the Blackhawks. And then you know, and that was coming off of you know a couple of bad games the weekend before against the Kings in San Jose. The Hawks had come back home. They had had a few days off, and they seemed to have gotten their heads right and like sean said after that weekend's stint we we and well pretty much everybody seemed uh, to have written the hawks off um except for maybe the hawks and uh the sabers game you know even after falling behind they fought back again and then they carried that over uh two days later they took on the the dallas stars the Sabres game was a little bit back and forth. I'm not really say I'm not really sure you could say that the Blackhawks outplayed the Sabres in that game, but I do think you can say that when they took on the uh, Stars on Saturday, it was one of the Blackhawks' best performances of the season. Uh, certainly defensively, I think we saw a lot better team defensive effort from the Blackhawks in this game. The forwards showed up in a way that they really haven't uh, throughout much of the year. They were breaking up plays in the neutral zone for checking a little bit more and uh, not giving the opposing team quite as easy outs in the offensive zone either. So I think it was just a, a really nice all around game. They got a nice, contribution from the third line in the game david camp opened the scoring uh, with a goal early in the game the stars were able to get on the board uh just like a minute later but late in the period alex to scored his 37th goal of the year 
to give the Hawks a two to one lead. And as I said, the defense and the goaltending showed up after that. The Hawks went on and were able to hold that two to one lead. Um, I'm not sure I can remember a time where the Blackhawks held a first period lead and kept the uh, opposing team off of the scoreboard the rest of the game. It was, it was a really impressive effort. I don't know. I, I guess, do you got anything you want to add to that? Cause I actually, I thought that this was maybe their best game of the year. It was, it was really good to see, you know, their defense play so good for against a explosive team like the stars. So it was, mm-hmm. it was very good to see. Yeah. I mean, the, the Hawks ended up out shooting them 39 to 27, you know, it, even with the Hawks having the lead and, you know, kind of, I, I wouldn't really say sitting on it, but, you know, especially in the third period, you know, a lot of times you're, you're going to get outshot in those instances, but the Hawks were able to keep up the pressure pretty much throughout the whole game. Uh, I mean, we saw a couple of chinks in the armor that the team continues to have a really hard time winning faceoffs, um, especially without, Jonathan Taves being out there, the rest of the squad is really struggling there. And that was like the one negative I, I can recall from that game was the stars were pretty much winning every draw, but the Hawks were able to get the puck back and then maintain possession in the offensive zone for long stretches. And then even when the stars got the puck back, um, the Hawks were breaking up a lot of plays in the neutral zone and just uh, now, there's been so many times where the opposing teams have just been able to walk right through and then easily gain the blue line against the Blackhawks. And it's just, it's been a problem all year, but I really think that this game kind of showed a, a, a new, I, I don't know, intensity or effort level, or just maybe understanding of the system that Colleton wants to run or, you know, maybe it's just the last gasp desperation They're You know, they're just, they're finally, finally doing it. But I, I felt like, you know, the the intensity that they played with in this game carried over on into the next game. I hate to use the word, but it was an ass whipping. Yep. Yeah, and, let, uh, I'll get, let you. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll hand that one over to you. Yeah. So uh, the Blackhawks um, went back home to play the red hot Arizona Coyotes, who had won eight of nine. They were about as locked in as anyone. And um, the Coyotes actually scored first. Our dear friend, Richard Ponick mm-hmm. uh, scored. And I will make my joke here. The Blackhawks did not Ponick after that goal. Oh, stop it. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I, had to do, I had to do one pun. Anyway, uh, the Blackhawks came back in a big way. They scored seven unanswered goals in this game. Seven. Uh, of course, Brandon Perlini scored. I believe he scored the tying goal. Mm-hmm. And then it was just everybody was scoring. Um, Taves had a penalty shot goal. Um, I think Kane scored. Did Kane score? Yes, Kane got his 41st. Yeah, Kane scored. I'm trying to think of all the people. Perlini ended up capping off of his uh, hat trick in the third. Yes. Um, you know, he had also hit the post one time and mm-hmm. that didn't, uh, didn't he have like a puck that was just sitting on the goal line or something? It rolled to the goal line and just yeah. stopped. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to say it. So of course that's the big story is uh, Perlini scored again. And then with three seconds left in the game, <laughs> he scored 
to get the hat trick and to make it a seven-one victory. But it was they dominated this game. I was honestly yeah. I was shocked because I'd heard how great the Coyotes had been playing. So I expected a very good effort from them, and I don't know if the Blackhawks were just on or what, but they steamrolled them. Yeah, I think the first period, the couple of the goals that the Blackhawks scored were a little bit on the Coyotes' goaltending. Uh, Darcy Kemper had been a big part of the Coyotes' recent uh, good stretch of play, but uh, he was not good in this game, and he did end up getting pulled, I want to say halfway through the second because I think the Blackhawks had like four goals on like their first 11 or 12 shots or something like that. And they were pretty good quality shots, but Kemper was definitely not on top of his game. And I think once they pulled him, I, I, I think it really, it didn't inspire them. Kind of let the air out for the Blackhawks just kept on coming. And yeah, yeah they, yeah, it was just, it was a really good effort. All right. So now they w- moved on Wednesday. They went to Toronto, and this was really a tale of two games. I mean, mm-hmm. the Black Ice just came out a house of fire. I mean, they were dumb. Of course, um, Perlini scored again. Mm-hmm. That was the second goal, though. Um, yeah. He also assisted on the first one, though. Which was a shot by Duncan Keith that, I mean, it trickled through the goalie, rolled, rolled, got yeah. about an inch over the goal, and uh, uh, a Maple Leaf guy eventually knocked it in, but it was already in before. Um, then it was uh, another goal. They had four goals in the period. Kane with a beautiful pass to Cahoon, mm-hmm. which was lovely. And then Dylan Sakura didn't score a goal, but he made a great play, taking a hit behind the net and passing it to an open Brandon Saad, who scored to make it 4 nothing. And then Perlini again. Set up a, a breakaway, a semi breakaway for Alex Dabrinkit, and he made it five nothing. Uh, the Maple Leafs pulled their goalie Anderson and put in, I believe Sparks is that the name of their backup. Yeah. And things seemed to be going pretty good, five nothing through the most of the second period, and then the Maple Leafs tipped in a goal with about a minute left in the second period. And then and, I fell asleep. I missed the rest of the oh. game. <laughs> well, apparently so did the Blackhawks. Uh, you were talking about with the um, Stars game that you were impressed that they kept pushing the whole game mm-hmm. and they didn't try to sit on, the, sit on the lead. Well, that did not happen with the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs just, I mean, just was up there with the um, lightning period early in the year. They mm-hmm. had... If, depending on who you ask, 29 or 30 shots in the third period. Uh, they scored a power play goal and a couple other goals, including one with a minute left, like a minute 30 left. But the Blackhawks were under siege. I guess I should add here that uh, Corey Crawford had the flu and had to come out after the second period. So this was Colin, Colin Delia that was in, and he, my God, he was just under siege the whole Mm-hmm. He made some great saves that I mean this could have this easily could have been eight or seven or eight to five. That's how many chances the um Maple Leafs had. But after just a crazy final ninety seconds with a couple brutal turnovers by the Blackhawks, 
they made the saves they needed to, and they pulled out the um, 5-4 victory. So that's a 4-0 week, 8 points. And as of right now, they're 4 or probably f- just wait till the um, the Wild are playing right now. So if they win, it'll be five points. But as of right now, it's a four-point deficit. And I guess the Blackhawks are still alive. I don't know how, but... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we, we keep trying to write them off, but, um, you know, they... they they're showing some character. They're showing some character. I keep thinking that the old like cartoons where you bury the guy and throw down the shovel and the shovel comes flying back up from the, the grave. That's kind of the image I had that, yeah, somehow maybe their back's against the wall. I don't know. but Yeah, I mean, uh, I like I said, I, I think a lot of it uh, has come down to uh, the team defense. Now, obviously uh, – the third period against Toronto would be an exception. Um, and, you know, like I said, I actually missed that period, but in the, the two previous games against the stars and the coyotes who are the two teams we are in direct competition with, those are the two teams we are chasing. Uh, I, I just, I was really impressed with the way that the Blackhawks were pressuring the puck uh, in all three zones and causing turnovers, you know, there was still the occasional defensive zone breakdown. And, you know, I mean, that's going to happen to any team, but the Blackhawks were quickly able to reestablish possession and hold on to possession. Just, they're just, they were moving the puck really well. All of their players were moving their feet. Case in point is Brandon Perlini, who was, basically sleepwalking for the two months prior to this. Um, he was just completely worthless. Now all of a sudden he's just all over the ice and it's not just in the offensive zone where he's converting. He's actually showing effort in the neutral zone and the defensive zone, which obviously can help translate into offensive production. And it's not just him. It's, it's, it's been the whole team. Um, David camp, I think has been, Big addition uh, back on the team since he got healthy. I think it uh, has revitalized that fourth line a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, they're still not a great offensive line, but I think it, it's made them it, – it gives them a little bit of energy, a little bit more speed. Um, Kruger and Kunitz aren't exactly burners at this point in their career. I think we also underestimated um – how good a defensively camp was. Yeah. I mean, it, he's definitely been a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people have identified as, you know, the replacement for Kruger next year. Um, but yeah, I, he, he's a, a pretty solid, I, I'll call him a two way player, even though he doesn't really score very much right now. Um, I, I think he does generate a decent amount of offense, but he, he struggles to finish a little bit, but at least in the last week um, that that line's been able to convert a couple of times. And I, I think you're actually seeing Colleton trusting them, I would guess would be a good word. Um I don't think he's really been much of a believer in Kruger the way that Quenville has been in the past. Um, 
but I, he definitely has faith in camp. Um, I mean, you know, as soon as he took over camp was put into a top nine role, um, above Anisimov at times, um, since Anisimov has kind of reestablished his game. Um, and then camp ended up getting hurt. Um, you know, he's, he's now back down on the fourth line, but I, I don't think Colleton hesitates to put it, uh, camp out against any opposition. I think he feels like he's a guy that he can trust. So I think that's a good thing heading into next year where I think yeah. we'll have a, a, an anchor for the fourth line. That- I was going to add too, though, that you brought it up too, that I think we were talking about how the Blackhawks are so top heavy, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, their main guys weren't going, but all of a sudden, like we talked about Perlini, but Perlini and Anisabov were just like awake. Like yeah. they were asleep and now they're both like playing great. And they, it's, let the Blackhawks have actually three very good lines out of nowhere. And it's kind of wild to see. Yeah. I mean, for a while there, when the, the Hawks were, uh, um, winning some games that they shouldn't in, in the second half there, and they, they got back into the race a little bit, they were definitely getting carried by their top five or six forwards. Um, so, you know, we were getting two lines rolling pretty well at that point, but, the third and the fourth lines were pretty much a mess and it only got worse when camp went out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's been a, a big thing over this last week is, you know, the, the emergence of Perlini as at least, you know, somebody, you know, I don't think we can count on it at this point, but you know, that boost um, has allowed the third line to produce and, then on top of that, the return of camp has given the Hawks, you know, like I said, they're not really scoring that much, but they're, they're not losing the possession battle the way that they were, you know, a month ago when that line was out there. Um, I, I think camp is just, he's, he's played really well. And, you know, like I said, it's definitely a guy that Colleton trusts and I, that's just huge. And I, and I think that can have positive effects on the other lines because they're not out there nearly as much. I mean, I don't think we've seen Kane uh, double shifting quite as much as he was previously. And I think that's a direct result of Colleton feeling like he doesn't need to do it. I mean, we're, we obviously haven't been playing from behind as much. You know, that's certainly something that we see from both Quenville and Colleton was whenever we'd get behind, you'd see Kane getting double shifted, but... I also wonder if I, um, yeah, I was wondering too, if, did Perlini ever play with Strom in Arizona? Cause they seem to have pretty good chemistry. I wonder if that was. I'm sure they did at some point, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely been a big help getting, um, you know, it, it, him and Strom and to bring it together. Uh, that, that, that line has certainly been able to maintain its production you know, even without uh, Cahoon on it, who had been playing with them for, you know, a significant stretch prior to that. And Cahoon has given a nice boost to Kane and Anisimov. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's I, an interesting line. That yeah. Games. I, I wasn't, I wasn't real happy with the idea of it bef- when Colleton put it together. I think even, like before the first game where they had shuffled the lines up like that, I was basically like, yeah, I really don't like that line combination. 
Um, but it, it's worked. Um, I, I think in the back of my mind, part of the reason is I still see Kane as more of a playmaker than a play finisher, which is obviously not the case anymore. I mean, he's scored over 40 goals this year, you know, definitely has a chance at 50. Um, and Anisimov obviously can finish. We've, we, we've seen Anisimov finish, you know, throughout his career. Whereas Cahoon is, he's basically just a playmaker. He doesn't really score that many goals, but he is very creative with the puck. He can win board battles and he's responsible defensively. I think he is definitely, you know, like I said with Camp, um, Cahoon is definitely somebody that Colleton trusts. I, I think he feels like he can put him on any line in any situation. And Cahoon is going to, you know, be responsible at both ends of the ice. And so, yeah, I, that line has definitely worked. Cahoon and Kane have shown some some pretty decent chemistry. Well, that was something I really, really was a good sign um, in the game against the Maple Leafs was that Cahoon did bury that chance that mm-hmm. Kane sent him off on. Cause he, like you said, he's been kind of, he's not great with finishing, but if he can start to finish some of those chances, then that line looks really good. And of course, if Anisimov keeps playing inspired, like he has recently, which sometimes as we've seen over the, over the years, he's been on the team is not a guarantee a lot of the time. Yeah, I, you know, I, I honestly think I, I don't know that it's so much of an effort issue with Anisimov. I, I think Anisimov gets dinged up a lot. I don't know that Anisimov is actually playing healthy quite as often as we think he, you know, assume he might. So are you saying you're thinking like now recently he must have, he might be healthier? Yeah, that's threat. my guess. I mean, if you look at Anisimov's career prior to the Blackhawks, he would miss. Um, quite a few games. I, he was a guy that would seemed like he only would play 65 or 70 games every year with the Blackhawks. He's, he's suited up most of the time, but I, you know, he gets, he does a lot of work in front of the net and behind the net, you know, along the boards, he's taken a pounding and I, I'm sure that takes a toll on him. Um, and I'm wondering now if now that he's not on that first power play unit and not taking that, that uh, beating in front of the net where, I mean, he just, you know, he would just stand there and take cross checks for, you know, a minute or whatever. I wonder if that's kind of given him a little bit of a boost of energy to not have to, you know, in his five on five, giving him a little bit of a boost. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, perfect world. I would like a right-handed shot playing left wing with uh, on Patrick Kane's line. I, I think, it gives that it gives Kane the opportunity to set up one timers for other people. So I, you know, that's the other thing too, where it's like, ah, you know, perfect world. I'd like to see somebody like a Patrick Sharp or somebody, you yeah. know, or drink it, but you know, obviously it can work without that. Um, you know, a guy that they've tried multiple times has been sod and I never liked the combination of sod and Kane. I just, they, they, they don't work well together in my opinion. And I, I think I kind of felt like we might get that same sort of chemistry with Cahoon, but I was wrong. I, he's definitely played well with them. And, you know, I, I honestly, I think Saad plays better when he's not with Kane, when he's sometimes when he's with Taves, it still works. 
But I, I honestly think Saad, when he's playing with a great player, he defers too much to them. He doesn't carry the puck the way he should. Um, you know, when he plays with Kane, he just gives it to Kane and lets Kane do all the work. And, you know, he'll go to the front of the net, that sort of thing. But that's not really his game. When he's at his best, he's taking the puck in in the neutral zone, driving to the net with the puck, fighting through defensemen, creating chances that way. And so, you know, he's he's, he's a guy that just he, he thrives when he has the puck. And so, I, you know, I feel like he's been playing well. He's being more assertive. And I think part of that is is not playing with Kane, um, or Debrinket. Uh, um, you know, even though Debrinket doesn't carry the puck quite as much, um, you know, prior to this recent stretch, Saad had been playing on the third line, and he had kind of been the main cog in that line. And I think it gave him a little bit more confidence. He was a little bit more used to carrying the puck, and now that he's back playing with Taves, you know, they're. Um, Gosh, who has been playing on their line with uh, Sakura? Sakura, yeah, yeah. Who obviously, you know, he's 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 pretty good with the puck, and he's creating a few chances too. But you know, Sakura's kind of deferring to Saad as opposed to Saad deferring to the other guys. So, which I, is I just, probably I, good. That's probably a good. Yeah, idea. yeah. I think I I didn't like the idea of those three lines when they were you know put together, but it's been working. It's been working. Yeah. And I will make a little defensive in that Maple Leafs game though, too, is that the Maple Leafs have gotten their doors blown off by the lightning, the game before they lost six to two. And they had looked very lifeless. The first few periods against the Blackhawks. And you could just see like Babcock on the bench just looked enraged. So you wonder if he just, he really leaned into him after the second period and they're, yeah. they're a very good team, especially yeah, offensively. They're, they're they're one of the best offensive teams in the league, and you know they're clearly a team that should be di- dictating the pace to the Blackhawks. And I'm sure they were embarrassed by that effort in the first two periods. So yeah, I, you know they woke up. Obviously, um, you know I I can't get into specifics. Obviously, not having seen that period, but I. I can envision it in my head and it, it, it comes as no surprise to me that they were able to manage that. So, yeah, I, I would actually, I would advise you to look up the YouTube highlights of that. The end of the third period, it, there was it, the Dahlia was uh, flopping around in the crease, like a fish. It was crazy. Yeah. I was at least planning on watching like the condensed game and like, you know, when it's available next, not, it might even be available now. Now that I think about it, sometimes, it usually takes them a day or so to get those out, but yeah, no, it was on there this afternoon. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously a very successful week for the Hawks, you know, for eight points out of the four games. So can't complain regardless of, you know, a couple of bad periods here and there. Yep. And I guess we should, we haven't really talked about, we talked about the overall defensive effort, but uh, what have you thought of some of the, the, defensive like key Seabrook everyone have you felt about that you know I think they're playing a little bit better um uh, my feeling is is it's been a, a better team effort which has taken a little bit of the pressure off of the defensemen um they're we're not seeing them 
in the defensive zone quite as much because the forwards have been breaking up more plays in the neutral zone. And, you know, that's obviously going to help the defensemen. Uh, you know, we're still seeing a few too many turnovers in the defensive zone. Um, you had mentioned that as a, as an issue in the third period in Toronto. Um, you know, I didn't see that, but you know, even in the games where they played well prior to that, you know, there, there's still, there's still a few defensive breakdowns, few high danger chances that, you know, you'd like to clean up, but no, I think overall they had a pretty good week. Um, I don't know that there's really been a standout performance from any of them. I just think it's been kind of a, more of a, a, a good solid team effort. Yeah. They seem to be pretty, um, they've kind of stabilized their, you know, been starting the same six defensemen pretty much yeah. every game. So yeah, I mean, I still think Forsling's kind of been the, the weak link in it, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's been on the ice all that much either. Uh, I think they're, they're, they've been pretty much putting him out there as the sixth defenseman and sheltering him a little bit more. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It was like, – I haven't seen Cuckoo. I don't think he's been playing. Yeah, I don't think he's been playing the last week. Uh, I mean, I know they've been rotating them in, Um but you know, I'm trying to remember this, the lineups off the top of my head. But I, I honestly don't think he's been in at all. This yeah, I'm, I'm a defenseman short. I've got, I've got Keith Seabrook, Dahlstrom, Dahlstrom and, and Murphy have been playing. And Murphy together. and then Forsling. Forsling and who else am I missing? Gustafson. Oh, Gustafson. Yeah. You haven't noticed Gustafson that much. That yeah, might be yeah. A good thing yeah, I, the defense. Definitely. Um, I, I think he's calmed down a little bit. I, you know, I, he's a tough one to get a read on just because, you know, he does play so aggressively and you don't want him to not play aggressively. But, you know, you obviously, you need him to play controlled. And I, at least in the last week, uh, I think you're seeing a little more of that. It's, Obviously, not a large enough sample size where you know you can take much from it at this point. But you know, hopefully, it's a good sign moving forward. Um, you know, it's still. You know, I'm really curious how they're going to handle the off season with the number of defensemen that they have under contract and all the new guys, the young guys coming in and whether or not they're going to try and find any kind of stop gaps to kind of help them a little bit or not. It's just, I'm really, really curious how they're going to, you know, handle all this and how it's all going to shake out. Yeah. A couple other quick notes. Uh, It looks like uh, Cam Ward is back. Mm -hmm. Delia got sent back down to the, back down to the AHL. So, which I guess like you were saying, it must've been a minor knee injury. So, but you'd yeah, think Crawford would get the time. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, obviously, you got to worry a little bit about Crawford's conditioning, you know, just how much of a workload he can actually handle, you know, after being out for so long. Um, but, you know, luckily, and I guess, hey, good segue here, it's kind of a light schedule the next week. So that's that's a good sign. You know, we can, we should be able to start Crawford in both games if they want to. So yeah, I was gonna I was gonna get to the preview too, but I forgot to add the other little thing. Um, because mm. you know we talk about uh, prospects on here, but uh, Kucherov, who you brought up, is had such a good uh, junior tournament, signed a three year deal with the Blackhawks, but he's not gonna 
that means I'm sure he'll have a chance next year to make the team, but he's going to stay in the minors right now. Kucherov. Oh, I can't uh, say his name. Yeah, no, it's not Kucherov. No, oh, now you're confusing me. Now all I've got is Kucherov in my mind. Um, ah. <laughs> well, and, then I'm, and then I'm confusing him with Kayamov, too, who's a Russian prospect, but that's not the guy who signed either. Uh, it's uh, ah, going to bug me. Yeah, see? Because I, I, I saw the name. and Let me see if I can find it for next week, and I'll see if I can find it here, and we can circle back. Okay, there's... Um, only two games in this uh, week coming up. Um, Saturday at six o'clock Central Time, we've got um, we've got the Montreal Canadiens on Hockey Night in Canada. So big time TV if you live in Canada, which I don't know how many listeners actually do, but uh, Montreal is fighting for their playoff lives. I mean, they are tied for the final playoff spot with the Columbus Blue Jackets in the East. So this is a must win game for them. So we will see two very desperate teams uh, playing each other. Montreal's very inconsistent, but uh, they can be good. They can score, but other times they're just, they don't do anything. So it really depends on what team you get there. And um, then Monday they stay out East and uh, play the Philadelphia Flyers in Philadelphia. Um, I believe that's a six thirty central time start. Uh, the Flyers are not good. They give up a lot of goals. Um, they can score, so it's not super easy game. But then the Blackhawks are up again till next Thursday. So it's only two games this week coming up. And they're on the road, so that's tricky. But there are two teams that are beatable. I mean, they're about the same level as the Blackhawks, so... They want to keep this crazy thing going. I guess they better win those games. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of, you know, like you said, they're right in the kind of the same position. The Blackhawks are where they're just outside the wild card and still fighting for those, you know, for that opportunity for the playoffs. So they're going to, those are two teams that are going to be hungry. So the Blackhawks are going to have to maintain the same intensity that they've played with the last week. So, um, you know, the, the good thing is the Blackhawks, should be rested. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have a couple of days before the Montreal game. They, they don't have any back to backs, um, this week. So that, that's, that's big. Like I said, uh, you know, we, we should be able to start Crawford and all of them if, if, uh, that's what they desire. So, um, oh, and, uh, the, the name of the prospect is Philip Kurashev. Oh, Kurashev. Kurashev. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another name with a K for the Blackhawks should uh, they desire it for next year. And they're, they're definitely filling up with guys with last name of K. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's all we really have for this week. Uh, we were yeah. kind of wrote the Blackhawks off last week, and they refused to write uh, to give up. So we'll see. I mean, next yeah. week we, we might uh, bury the Blackhawks for a third time. Or we might be talking about the continued playoff dream. So I guess we'll see. I, I'm going to stay positive. Let's go for it. Let's do it. I mean, if you've gotten this far, you might as well go all the way. That's right. I mean, at this point, you're not going to have a great shot at a top five pick anyway. So you're pro- probably going to pick in that six to 10 or 12 range anyway. So at this point, pff, might as well go for the playoffs. That's right. That's a, it's a good thing to end on. So. 
until next week, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Michael, of course, is at on Twitter. MJ underscore Ernst. And I'm STH85 on Twitter. And you can, of course, follow us or follow the podcast on uh, iTunes. Get a regular subscription to it. Just look up the emergency goalies on iTunes and it's right there. And until next week, thank you for listening.